Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Best ever listeners, this episode has some noise in the background. It is me typing while I am taking notes. My bad. Apologize for that. We fixed it. It happened in 40 episodes and then we resolved the issue. Too many, I know, but sorry, it's over with. We resolved it. I hope you can power through it and listen to the good stuff that the guest has to say. I wanted a system that emphasized those areas of greatest need, which, as most of us know, it's finding the deal, finding the equity, and signing on the loan. Best Ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jeff Greenberg, how you doing, Jeff? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Joe. Well, glad to hear it, and best ever listeners, you know Jeff Greenberg because you're a loyal best ever listener, and you're a loyal best ever listener way back to episode 47. Yeah, 47. I interviewed Jeff, my 47th guest on this podcast. I titled it, Follow the Well-Worn Path to Success. I also interviewed Jeff, episode 424, How to Deal with a Falling Apart High Stakes Situation. That was a fun story episode 424. And today we're going to be talking about how to allocate equity based on what your partners bring to a syndicated deal. So as apartment syndicators, as any syndicator really, there are different roles and responsibilities that need to take place. And if you have partners, then how do you determine what is valued over what? Finding a deal. Doing the underwriting, doing the due diligence, getting the debt financing secured, signing on the loan, all that stuff. Well, at my conference in Denver, Jeff approached me and he said, Joe, I've actually come up with a formula or a range for different responsibilities and their weight in as it relates to value. So we're going to be talking about that. Jeff, I'm really excited. You ready, my friend? I am ready. 
Awesome. So a little bit about Jeff really quick. He is a CEO of Synergetic Investment Group, been investing in multifamily since 2007, been involved in acquisitions of over 800 units, valued over $30 million, based in Los Angeles. So Jeff, take it away. Tell us what was the inspiration for coming up with a structure? Well, I have to admit it, it for the most part, it was desperation. But what it was originally is a group had approached me and wanted me to mentor them. So this never started out with the thought of becoming a business. But I met with a group and we started doing training sessions. And as it moved along, we had people wanting to learn more and learning hands-on. I was telling them how to talk to brokers, how to get deals coming in. And we started to continue with that. And we started to get into some deals. And once we did our first deal, we started thinking, well, how are people going to get compensated? Well, first time I said, well, how much are you paying me for the mentoring? And (laughs) since I hadn't charged them for the mentoring, what they received was very limited as far as compensation. But then we went into a second deal and it started becoming more of a company. And we had to figure out how we were going to fairly distribute this because this was great because the group was doing a lot of the work of the company and I felt they should be compensated. So we had to figure out some kind of system. And I wanted a system that emphasized those areas of greatest need, which as most of us know, it's finding the deals, finding the equity and signing on the loan. Those, I felt, were the three highest priorities. And then some of the minor ones was underwriting, doing research as far as market research and research on the property. All that stuff was more of a minor role. So I put the emphasis on the major three. and Those were the biggest pieces, and then we have minor ones from there. Now, we also set the company up where I have a deal lead where one of my people will take on the role of the lead and they're pretty much the orchestrator. They will work with one of our underwriters. The underwriter needs something. They will go back to the broker, get information from the broker, and they go back and forth with the underwriter or with someone doing research and basically leading that particular deal. So as a team lead, they're also getting a certain percentage. Mm. And those people doing the underwriting, those people doing the research, all are involved and they're all getting a piece of whatever the sponsor's cut is going to be. I also have a team lead that basically he's also the orchestrator of all the deal leads and they go to him for a lot of whatever's needed. And for the most part, it doesn't come to me until they feel it's a deal and I'm the last reviewer that will review it and decide if we're going to put in an LOI. Wow. So all of that frees me up to do what I'm doing most of the time, which is networking and bringing in the money and meeting people and sometimes bringing in deals, but for the most part, looking for the equity partners. One thing I didn't hear as far as a major category or even in the minor category was asset management. So where do you put that? Okay, so all of this was leading up. This was asset. We do put in an asset management fee in there, which originally was on our properties with either myself or my team lead. 
but as we have some very capable people that I'm progressively bringing up. So now one of the ladies, I've put her in a position on one of our properties as asset manager. I've been training her. We've got another lady that's going to be taking over an asset management on another deal. When we're going through the due diligence and the closing process, it's pretty much all hands on deck that everybody is working on different pieces. My team lead also happens to be a mortgage broker. So he's pretty much handling, looking for the loans and taking care of the dead end of it. So that takes a big piece off of there. But as far as going to the properties, walking the properties, a certain number of us will go and walk the properties and do most of that due diligence. So we've got, according to you, the main categories are finding the deals, finding the equity, and signing on the loan. Then you have minor categories. Then you've got a deal lead person, a deal lead, and a team lead. And then that's how the team's structured. So with the major categories that you said, finding a deal, finding the equity, signing on the loan, what equity is associated to those? Those, I believe, are at 15% of our cut. So we divide whatever the sponsor cut is, and I believe they're somewhere around 15% each on those. The team lead gets a cut no matter what, and I get a cut no matter what in the beginning. But right now, both of us are also getting pieces of the other ends of it because we're wearing many hats. So we're also getting some of that as well. Do you make a distinction between, we'll go in with finding the deals. Do you make a distinction between an off-market deal with no brokers and a fully marketed deal? I make a distinction between somebody that just got a deal from an email blast coming in or a deal that was brought in through a relationship. That's the main thing. If it's off market or not, if it's something that we wouldn't have seen on our own, but because they've established a relationship, that's a higher priority because that's what I want to encourage. As I said, I want to reward those things that are most valuable and Building relationships with brokers is one of the most valuable. Or getting off-market non-broker deals, either way. What would be the range? So you've got the 15% for finding the deal. I imagine the lowest percent would be the email blast, and the highest percent would be if they know an owner directly and there's no broker fees involved. So what would be the range there? Well, we haven't really dealt with it exactly yet, so this is the work in progress. (laughs) So so we've done two deals under this system so far. So we're kind of working on it. So I can't give you exact numbers, but like I said, the high end would be a 15% of the deal if it was something through a relationship. If it it. was something from a blast, it would be something lower than that. Got it. Those percentages would be distributed out somewhere else, different parts of the deal. And then on signing on the loan, same thing. If it's a recourse, maybe um, distressed property, versus non-recourse, stabilized value-add deal, 15% is the high end, and then it'd go lower based on more stabilized non-recourse loan? Sounds good, but we haven't gotten that refined yet either. (laughs) Fair enough. But the main thing is I want to encourage members of my team that most of them are accredited investors themselves to sign on the loan as opposed to having to go outside of our group, which would probably cost us more as far as what we would have to give up. So I would rather give it to team members that opportunity to sign on loan. Did anything change from the structure between deal one and two? 
on deal one, I took the entire acquisition fee, mainly because I was spending my time training them. And on deal two, my company took half the acquisition fee and then we split the rest of it amongst the group for all the hard work they've been doing. Got it. And with the ownership for deal three and for the foreseeable future, if I have 15% ownership, say the only thing I did was I found the deal through a relationship. So I've got 15% ownership. Am I sharing 15% on all the profits from that? So 15% of the acquisition, 15% of cash flow and any other fees? It would be 15% of the sponsor's cut. And yes, it would be 15% of the cash flow after the pref. If we're doing a pref, it would be 15% of the sponsor's cut on the equity end of it. It would be 7.5% on the acquisition fee because the company is going to hold on to 50% just for future needs. Mm -hmm. Got it. Fair enough. And that's for funding for due diligence or getting new deals, deposits, that sort of thing. Yes, as well as company overhead. Right, yeah, that too. <laughs> so on the minor stuff, the underwriting, the market research, the property research, how come the underwriting is in the minor category? Well, because it's not as mission critical. I mean, yes, it needs to be done, but there's a lot of us that can do that. It's probably one of the less desirable ones, but we do have a lot of people that are good with spreadsheets and are interested in would rather do numbers than talk to people. But I just didn't want to put it up in the ranks of the priorities. And so far, we haven't had a problem as far as encouraging people to do the underwriting. That hasn't been an issue. But typically, they're doing other things as well. And the asset management, just can you clarify that? Like that's in the minor category? Did you say that? Well, it's, it's not that it's a minor category. And that one's one we're tossing around right now. Okay. Because we have put in there a 1%, and unless it's a large deal, it's not a lot of money to be an asset manager. That's pretty much why I've been doing it. And in fact, for the most part, we haven't taken asset management fees anyway. We've got a couple of deals that are value-add deals, and initially, there's not money going to the investors. And I don't like taking an asset management fee until the investors start getting money. And even on that, it's not going to be a lot of money, even at 1% or 2%. It's a very important responsibility. So we might take some money from the property itself as the asset management fee, and then we may also put some other money in it, into it from our side of it, from the sponsor side of it, just to make it more desirable. For the most part, the people are learning how to be asset managers, and we're overseeing it. I'm keeping my eye on everything, but a lot of this is people are learning how to do it. And I know that you've done it on two deals, so it's still an evolution or a fluid process. But I'm wondering if an individual just isn't working out after you close, but you've already assigned these ownership percentages, what recourse do you have, if any? Well, I have complete control. There's no signed contract. Okay. So it's a handshake thing where, hey, you get 15%. Okay. Yeah. And we've actually had someone that we did have to let go. And they do have some ownership in one of the properties and they'll still get that ownership. They may not get as much, but they'll still get some ownership. We left on good terms and they did the work that got the property. 
They're not involved in running the property right now and the work that we're doing now. So I feel okay with cutting back slightly on it. But the acquisition is the big thing. We, you and I know that that's the first part. And then the next part is running the property. But still, that's something that my time has freed up a lot more for. So I can do a lot more of that because they're doing a lot more of the acquisition part of it. I could have my time available to oversee a lot more of that. I kind of put myself in that spot. And with it being a handshake thing, have you had anyone say, well, wait a second, Jeff, you're a great guy, but I wish we'd have something on paper that showed that I own, say, 15% for doing this work. Yeah. Once we've closed, I have given out a document stating what the percent ownership is on that. So I have done that, yes. Cool. What else, if anything, haven't we talked about as it relates to the structure that you think we should talk about? Well, the important part is who you're working with. As I said, we did have somebody that had to leave. And I don't know that this is going to work for everybody. This team I have right now work as a team. And it's a beautiful thing. We communicate a lot on Slack. So I have the opportunity to look at the conversations going on. And I see people helping somebody out. Somebody has a family issue. Can you help me out and cover me while I'm doing this? We got a new person in that everybody was jumping in and training. And if you don't have people that aren't willing to help other people out and help everybody grow and help the team grow, then it would be an issue. And we've had that situation that we're more into to me, 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 and that just didn't work for the team and definitely could be a conflict. And I want to back up on kind of the premise for this whole thing. And I talked to several other people that I know that have had teams of six people or so, all equals kind of working on deals. And for the most part, I was discouraged. I was very discouraged with the results that they were getting because this person wasn't carrying as much weight as somebody else. Mm -hmm. Somebody else had more time and they were upset that they should get more. And it's just a can of worms. Yeah. And that was the biggest hindrance because I've got a couple of people that are women that their husbands are working and they have all kinds of time. I have other people that are working full-time jobs and are doing this at night or in the morning or whatever. So obviously not everybody has the same amount of time. And these are mature adults that have a life. They have kids. Well, most of their kids are grown up, but they have grandkids. So they don't have the time. So I can't expect everybody to put in the same amount of time. And I had to think of a way that would be fair. And that's why I did it on a task-based system where based on what task that they were performing, that they would get compensated. And so far, everybody seems to be happy with it. This is great. This is a question, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, this is a question that I get fairly frequently, but I guarantee you comes up much more frequently internally amongst team members than what actually comes to the surface. So this will definitely help people think about how to weigh certain things. Jeff, how can best ever listeners get a hold of you? Well, you can get a hold of me at jeff at synergeticig.com. S-Y-N-E-R-G-E-T-I-C-I-G dot com. I'm on Bigger Pockets all the time. You can go to my website, Synergetic IG, 
com. Get a hold of me. Any awesome. of those vehicles are fine. Outstanding. Well, Jeff, thank you for being on the show. This was really interesting to hear the different allocation of equity for certain tasks, finding deals, finding equity, signing on the loan, 15% for each, and then some other things like underwriting, market research, or any research in general, plus asset management have a lower percentage. And then you have a deal point person and a team lead point person and then you're also involved from a CEO standpoint. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks for having me. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to... One, learn more about the causes that we're profiling. We do one a month. Then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555-888.